Yo, 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 what up guys? Jacques Slade here. Welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. This is officially episode number three and we don't stop no matter where we are in the world. I just happen to be in London right now, but you know, we love you guys so much that we didn't want to miss a show. Uh, When I say we, obviously I'm talking about the really important people that are part of this podcast because I could not do this by myself. Nick, tell them who you are, what you do, and all of that good stuff. Uh, Nick Engvall, I've been doing a sneaker thing, uh, did a couple years at Complex, did a couple years at Finish Line, um, helped start StockX over the last couple of years. So, um, But more important than me, um, we have Tiffany Beers here, who is going to be totally humble, but she's definitely the most important person on the show. <laughs> I'm Tiffany Beers. Um, I worked at Nike for 13 years. I worked at Rubbermaid for a couple years, and I worked at Tesla for a short six months. Um, yeah. So. You see, you see that, Nick? Yep. You see, you <laughs> yeah. see we, uh, we 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 peeled back a layer today. There was a there was a layer peeled back today. Uh, <laughs> Of, of Rubbermaid. I wasn't aware of the Rubbermaid past for Tiffany Beers. I, I won't get into it, but I, I figure she probably made some sort of device there that she's being super humble about as well. Yep, some probably. sort of mechanical thing. It keeps your food warm or cold, depending on how you want it, um, <laughs> or stores it somewhere in a cool, dry place, and you don't even have to think about it. And you push a button, and it looks zzzz, and then it makes sounds it's like I'm just saying if it's the Tiffany I know that she's she's holding back on us hold back on us anyway uh, again to the audience welcome to a new show uh, thank you guys for all the support you guys have given us so far really appreciated all of the comments and everything they've been really great have you guys seen any comments in particular that you want to point out or anything kind of comes to mind uh, any comments that you guys want to talk about? Nothing specifically, but it's just been really awesome to see everybody supporting. And we, I mean, I just really appreciate the opportunity to have the conversations with you two and then to have people that actually enjoy listening. It's it's phenomenal to me. So Yeah, I think the support's been awesome. Um, I love that there's people wanting to be guests. Like, I mean, I think we should think about that at some yeah, point. Absolutely. Like, maybe yeah, some interviews. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I saw one comment last week. Um, that I wanted to bring to your attention. It's going to kind of kick off the show. Uh, it was by a gentleman, uh, I'm assuming a gentleman named BK to Harlem. Uh, that could be a woman who went, went from BK to Harlem. So uh, a person that traveled from BK to Harlem uh, wrote, Custom equals fake. If Nike did not produce it, then they said the, it's trash. I'm assuming they're saying then it's trash. So uh, I want to kind of get a barometer on you guys. What do you think about the whole custom shoes are fake shoes if they're not actually made by, I guess, the distributor or the manufacturer in this situation? I think it's really interesting. I mean, um, yeah, a fakes, I'm not, I'm not a fan of fakes. Like direct copies, definitely not a fan of. Um, I don't appreciate that business whatsoever. But some of the customs, like, I think they're doing some really interesting things. Um, The question would be, is the original product underneath it real or fake? Because I've seen some of those, too. I don't really know where I stand on this. It's such a good question because um, 
it depends on what they're doing with it. You know, on some level, are they taking the creativity from the brands or are they sharing it? Or I'd love to know what the brands think of it. Um, I'm guessing they're okay with it because these customs are all out there all over the place. It doesn't seem like they're really shutting them down that right. much. Yeah, no. I, 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 so I'm on, I'm on your side. Uh, and that's, uh, Nick, you tried to jump in here as well. So you go, go ahead and give your two piece, your two cents. Uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think just like Tiffany said, there's so many different variations of what that all looks like right like if the product is legitimate you know i think that i think it's it's a fun thing and more importantly it's like a stepping stone for people to get into the business of sneakers you know like you've seen people go from like painting shoes to legitimately working for brands and creating you know like there's a couple of people that um, I won't call anybody out, but there's a couple of people at both Nike and Adidas that I can remember 15 years ago finding them on Nike Talk, you know, doing colorways custom for people, but they eventually got into the design side and the coloring side of, of you know, working with the brands or working for the brands. So, I mean, I think that, like, right. that's a really cool opportunity. Um, I do think that saying that fakes, you know, all customs are fake is is a little bit too hardline because I also am old enough to where like I painted shoes when I was a kid or I you know wrote my name on the bottoms and on the sides and the midsoles and stuff like that in certain pairs and does that make it fake I mean I don't feel like it but like I I don't know maybe that maybe I'm missing something here no I I think you're I think you're dead on so here's okay I'm gonna throw a bit of a I'm gonna mix things up a little bit so what if someone takes an Air Jordan 1 a, a real Air Jordan One, and customizes it to look like an off-white Air Jordan One. Is that considered fake? Yeah, I yes, think absolutely. I think that's definitely a, like a, an odd choice, right? Like people are, if you're that hungry for the attention to have that special pair or whatever it is, that seems like a bigger issue. But we won't get into that. We're not we're not psychologists, so um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's copying. That's not customizing. Yeah. Like copying's not okay. But cut like if they actually did something interesting with it, then that that could be cool. Although saying that, I remember when the mag, the Nike mag came out and the first time I saw people painting it, I was like, "What are you doing?" Like what? it took so long to get those materials perfect. What are you doing? Like I was really uh, frustrated with it because I didn't want people painting them. And now you see them painted all the time and um, I think they look stupid, most of them, but uh, there's a few cool ones out there. But I I think if it's just for attention and not for like something truly custom and cool, uh, I, I like it when it's truly custom and cool, not copies. Uh, and I don't consider it fakes either. Uh, that's fake. Is it fake? Is a powerful word to be. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think the other yeah. thing that, that there's uh, guys like you know Dominic, the shoe surgeon, or um, you know, and some of the other customizers that have turned it into opportunities to work with the brands to create specific shoes for events. Uh, you know, and like the work that goes into that, especially when they're doing like handmade reconstructed shoes. I mean. It's to me if I'm if I'm them like it's uh, the ultimate slap in the face is if somebody calls it a fake and I don't think that you know I think that's why you can't really just generalize everything I can totally understand you know the frustration of somebody that sees like you said somebody you know trying to recreate a different you know version of a shoe or whatever um, 
but yeah, that's it's a little aggressive to call it call all customs fakes. Got it. Okay, so okay, last and final little mix up to this one here. So I recently worked on a project um, that I actually probably can't really speak about, but they one of the the touching points was saying the word fake versus saying the word replica. Is is there a difference to you two? And then I'll kind of explain my side of that. Uh, but I just I kind of want to get your thoughts on that fake versus. So I, I actually have an interesting kind of question for both of you around that. Then the mag is kind of the pinnacle shoe when it comes to I would say replicas, right? Because there's like the Nike mag, and then there's the mag that was made by you know like the some by this by the movie studio and that was sold at you know whatever 50 or 100 bucks i don't remember how it was but you know it's like very like this is just like kind of a you know wear it for your halloween costume type quality um how do you both feel about that (laughs) i don't think i can disclose how i honestly fair enough fair Um, enough (laughs) i i think (laughs) replica to me um indicates that there's some history there and like maybe that there there's a re- replica because the original can't be reproduced or or something the original ran out um where where fake is totally like you're copying it for maybe you're completely unassociated with the original cause or original purpose and so you're just mm. duplicating it to make money okay. um so i kind of associate those two a bit differently and i think replicas are okay when you know like so the the nike mag you know it was a replica that gave money to the michael j fox foundation right like nike did not profit from that product just just from the pr you know so like in that scenario totally totally cool with it but like i had to review a lot of fakes while I was at Nike because they would pop up on the internet constantly. Uh, and so it was really interesting to to look at those and see. And, and in most cases, those were all purely for someone to make a buck off of yeah. the hype of that product. Did you happen to see any fakes okay. with the self-lacing technology in it? Just out of curiosity. Not working, but there definitely were some out there. Like HyperAdapt. There was a HyperAdapt fake that was online um and it had elastic laces in it so you didn't have to lace it but it, it wasn't it wasn't hyperadapt technology interesting yeah that's very interesting okay all right i just wanted i just wanted to you know stick you know put our foot in the water with that one um but moving on but before we move on just let you guys know uh this show is sponsored by the lasers competition i will give you more insight on the lasers a little bit later but i just want to make sure we bring them up because they're really good sponsors to this channel they take care of us and uh this show wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the lasers and the lasers competition all right moving on so next up we have shoes which is the world's first modular tech travel shoe uh Found these over on Kickstarter, I believe it was. And um, my first thought was, this is not something that I would wear. Um, I, I, it, I get the idea behind it, but I don't. I just don't know if it's a, if it's advanced enough for someone with um, discerning amount of taste. <laughs> is that a bad way to say that? 
Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about the, the modular modular shoes being able to take the the tooling off of one and put the upper of another one on top of it to um, change outfits? I guess for different parts of the day. I mean, I think that it's. I think that the idea is interesting and probably has a lot of potential. The functionality that this particular shoes S H O O Z, um, you know, Kickstarter is is uh, not quite as interesting to me um, but also I think it's it's is more interesting to me because I feel like if you've been in the sneaker world for a while I'm pretty sure it was John Geiger that actually did this with Air Force Ones right and made the tops of the shoes like the upper could completely unzip and you could zip it to the midsole and outsole so I don't know Mm -hmm. uh, what is that imitation is the greatest form of flattery I think it's interesting I mean this has been around for quite some time I mean I remember seeing this years ago literally um, and it's interesting right they're trying they're going after the market of like having one shoe but something adjustable or changeable on it so it can be your day shoe and your night shoe it can be your game shoe and your you know, club shoe. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's interesting. I would think that the uppers on these maybe are not so comfortable. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I've never actually tried them. So I think it's a it's an interesting concept. But knowing that it's been out for a couple of years, I'm guessing they're having some challenges in getting it moving forward. Because um, I think this is... I'm trying to find on there if this is... Not the. This is definitely not the first Kickstarter that it's been. Oh, uh, okay. So this is the first I've heard of it, and it just like I, I think I was along the same boat with you. I was like that. Those uppers can't possibly fit like snug to your foot or fit very comfortably. Like if they're if they're supposed to be swapped in and out, I I just don't feel like they can be attached very in a way that makes them comfortable and fit very well but again i'm you know you're you're more of the engineer of the of the three of us here tiffany and um if you think that way then i'm pretty sure that's the case yeah i mean how does a i, I think of the flex flex zone right so right around your forefoot where where your foot bends how does that zipper bend and deal with that right because a lot of shoes are notched there and you'll see notches in the outsole and the midsole so that flex happens. But when you have a, a straight zipper going completely around it, I'm not sure what that does. Like that that seems like a kind of a fit, maybe irritation yeah. potential. But yeah, looking at yeah. looking at the Kickstarter too, it like dates back to twenty sixteen was the estimated delivery initially. Oh. Um and, oh, wow. and like it seems like they've gotten a lot of press too, right? Like they have the Boston Globe, Footwear News GQ, Vogue, all that kind of um, coverage. But I think the interesting, the, you know, like, to me, like, they're trying to sell it, too, as if, like, you could run in these shoes. And to, to Tiffany's point about the flex zone, right, like, you could you could wear, like, hard bottoms, you know, for whatever during the day, and you could wear a, a slightly more casual, you know, dress version or, or you know, takedown version of that to go out to dinner or the club or whatever but like if they're thinking that like people are gonna do any form of exercise in that shoe i think that it's just completely problematic 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. And looking at, uh, it's, I guess the more interesting thing is looking at these articles and seeing like what what articles have featured it. Like none of them are like sneaker sites, are like performing performance sites. Oh no, I take that back. They have kick lace here, uh, but they don't have. It's not like Runner's World or or men's running or yeah. women's running or fitness mag or any of those kind of places or sneaker news or complex or nice kicks like none of those places are on the list this is like oh entrepreneur.com fox news yahoo yeah. finance you know fashion mag the smart traveler like it's all the places that would see something like this and be like oh that's cool that's that's a great thing but not really think about it i guess uh strategically are, are, are analytically and be like uh how but how is that really going to work because even shoes that have the tops the uppers that are like sewn and glued to to the tooling half the time those have problems with that flex zone so i can imagine how difficult it is for someone to swap out a piece to to make that sort of area work but you know again i've never tried them on so i i maybe talking out of the side of my neck and they may be the most comfortable shoes in the world so so Jacques you're traveling right now yes. right so it, as a traveler though with someone that travels a lot would you do you like the concept I mean that you'd only take one bottom with you but you could take three or four uppers basically I mean I think I guess theoretically it's a good idea but like I like I like a specific type of running shoe so I don't know like this shoe would like for me, I guess I would be more interested in the outsole being able to change than I would be of the upper being able to change. Mm. Um, I think that's more of a of a need for me than it would be. I mean, the, these have outsoles or toolings that change, but I just don't see, yeah, I don't see how they'd be able to get something that I can get out and I can do six to 10 miles in it and then be able to put that same shoe back on with a, a, a fancier upper and wear that around or go to a meeting or something like that. I just don't I just don't see it. And and let alone go from a runner to like a dress your shoe to something that I can play basketball in, which um, I just I just don't see that happening. But you know, again, yeah. who am I? Uh okay. Uh speaking of uppers and tooling, uh Tiffany sent an article in our group chat, because we do have a group chat, guys, because we are friends with Tiffany, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Uh, it's not just not just not just the podcast people. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Uh, she put together. She sent an article over of shoes made out of pineapple leaves uh, for Boss or AKA Hugo Boss. So seeing this article makes me think of like the whole sustainability when it comes to shoes. Um, from what I understand, as a as a layman in this in this regard. A lot of materials are wasted when you make shoes, and a lot of those materials aren't necessarily natural fibers or naturally based fibers, and so that ends up causing a lot of waste. But it seems like something like this could help alleviate a lot of that, or at least not alleviate it, but allow, I guess, a material that can be recyclable, cycled, and used again. Um, how uh, how big is that an impact on like? from the work that you've done, Tiffany? Um, and is this something that you see is sustainable? Um, and is this the direction that the, you think the business is going in? I don't know if I can answer all of your questions, but um, I think it's really interesting, right? Like use an existing material that 
that is made by the earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. You know, and I think it would depend on, again, shoes are so important. Like, how do they fit and how do they feel on, uh, especially a classic silhouette like this. So, So this is just like a super super classic simple silhouette if they're if that material works and they're comfortable and um it looks good which it looks good in the pictures Mm -hmm. then i think it would be sustainable uh not having to re-engineer a material uh for this shoe or use a potential other material that uh you don't know what the sustainability maybe is Mm -hmm. of it i can see the upside to this drastically but i would guess i would be curious about price actually how's the price of that material per yard versus um another material that might be cheaper i would imagine this is a little bit more expensive because it's kind of novel however i I don't know enough about the vegan movement to know if like i thought vegan meant like mostly food and i see that people are addressing it in other ways of their life like making sure everything's vegan including products Is that is that? True? Yeah, it's called a uh, plant-based lifestyle. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm not there. Uh, be honest, I like a burger, um, and I like leather. Um, <laughs> and now, now we're gonna get hate comments from vegans and plant-based people. Um, not plant-based people; they're actual people. <laughs> they, they eat plant. I don't. You know. You know what I'm. <laughs> oh man, you're digging. You're digging us you know a hole, man. You're digging us a hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, digging a hole. So yeah. Anyway, uh, your thoughts. Um, so I just checked, and the price on the shoe is three hundred and forty-eight dollars, which you know, for I, I think that's a, a little, a little high. But it's Hugo Boss, so you're Hugo paying Boss. for the name just as much as you're paying for that technology, probably. Um, I, I mean, I think it's awesome. Right. I would love to see more of this kind of stuff. If it can, I think the challenge with any of this stuff is making it. it obviously, the the technology behind it and getting it finding materials that are sustainable and aren't doing damage to our world but like i think that also the um the nature of uh lost my train of thought here the the nature of like just like being aware of what you're buying is never going to be a thing that should go away in my opinion like i mean looking at like recycled materials you know from plastic bottles or whatever I think that's just always a good thing if we can incorporate it more and make it fit into the world that it already exists, the sneaker world that already exists. Yeah, I think so too. And and the, I guess another factor I like about it is, I mean, we don't have pineapple leaves here in Oregon. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure we don't. But like if um, in like Hawaii and where they do have pineapple leaves, like that's the shoes that are in that area, you know, like in Oregon here, we'd have to have like a pine needle shoe right. maybe or... Uh, a different sustainable material, but like materials that are local and sustainable where they're at is I think an awesome concept. And same thing, like if you, you know, if you see someone with the pineapple shoe, you know, they got it potentially somewhere where that, that plant exists Mm -hmm. like that. I think those are interesting stories and, and ways of looking at this type of product. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess my, I guess for me, like, I'm all for like the the plant based and being sustainable and recyclable and all that stuff as well. But I think it's it's going to take a shift or it's going to take a way for those sorts of materials or those things to fit into the current pop culture lexicon, um, both like verbally and style wise. I feel like a lot of times you see things like that and they they have a certain look to them. 
that isn't necessarily part of the current trends. I think once they're able to do that, I feel like this opens up the doors for that stuff to be a lot more accepted. Um, it's it's kind of like, um, uh, I'm just, I guess I'm just be bashing vegetarians today. Um, that, you know, everybody wants to eat healthier. Like we all get that. Um, but it's not until like they started making vegetarian food taste like meat food that people were like, oh, okay, yeah, I can have a plant-based burger because it tastes like an actual burger as opposed to tasting like a plant. Um, and there's the end of the Outside the Box podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Glad we started this show. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's, so let's keep it moving before I dig myself into too many of a hole there. Uh, we've got a bit of a combined topic here. Roger Federer uh, is talking about leaving Nike. Are there's word, rumors that he's leaving Nike? And then we also have the NBA Finals that just ended with uh, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors uh, defeating LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I'm going to start with the whole athlete endorsement thing because that seems to be a big topic of discussion on the internet, whether or not they... Um, they do. They help a brand at all, whether it's worth it for a brand to sign a big celebrity athlete. I'm in the side that it is. I think it helps uh, as far as brand recognition goes. I think it helps both the athlete and it helps the brand getting the word out about a particular shoe. Uh, for instance, the LeBron 15, great shoe. I love the battle knit on the upper, the full zoom, like it's great to play in. Um, but I wonder, would I still pay as much attention to that shoe if LeBron's name wasn't attached? Um, and saying that, that makes me think, am I now a hype beast because I only mess with sneakers that have an athlete attached to them? But I hope that's not the case. So uh, I'll toss that to one of you. What do you think? Uh, is there is there a value in Roger Federer staying with Nike? Or are they, you know, are they good with or without him? I mean, personally, I think... Tennis is a completely different beast than basketball or, you know, retro product or anything. It's just, it's been such a hard sell, um, I think, because you haven't really had, you haven't had a whole lot of competition and it's such a, um, I don't know what the right word is, you know, like when you had the, the Andre Agassi kind of flair and this big, like, you know, persona out there. Like, Roger Federer is clearly, like, one of the best athletes ever. And same with Rafa Nadal, right? Like, both of them are incredible athletes, but they're very subdued personalities. So I don't think they sell a lot of product necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you can bring bring Roger Federer in and do, like, the, you know, the Jordan 3, uh, Federer, you know, I forget what the Vapor Max AJ3, whatever that hybrid shoe was. I think it's I think it's really cool that you can tie those mm -hmm. things together and tell those stories and like how you know potentially other athletes are inspired by other athletes. Um, I think like the the biggest thing for me is the the amount of money that they're that uh, Uniqlo is sending is is you know supposedly saying you know roughly three times the amount that that Nike um, offered him at this point, and I think that. For one, I can see Nike probably thinking that, hey, this is a, a, a player that's, you know, obviously past his peak and probably gonna, not going to be playing as, as, you know, for much longer at a competitive level. Um, so how much celebrity re do you really have beyond his 
playing years, right? Um, but you know, I do think that that, like you said, you know, we're we're all kind of attracted to the stars because if they're the if they're the you know the the setting the bar for what the world wants to be in that particular sport, then they become the you know the right. the pinnacle of that. You know, like you have LeBron and and KD and Steph Curry and you know like that we all watch them more than we watch other athletes because they're the best, but they're also going to be, you know, they're also just going to have more airtime across all platforms. You know, they're going to have more opportunities to work with other brands. So you're going to see them and feel like, you know, them more. So I think personally for Roger Federer, it's probably, it'd probably be pretty awesome to see him kind of diversify and go, you know, and, and, and see what else is out there. But I also think that like, there's something to be said about, you know, on the basketball side, the, the legacy of a player, you know, I think of like Kevin Garnett, right? Like Kevin Garnett basically wore what, seven, six, seven, maybe eight different brands throughout his career. Um, played on all these different, you know, on all these different teams. And people either remember him for, you know, his Timberwolves days as a really young, fresh out of high school player that was like pretty dominant and pretty um, entertaining to watch. Or they remember, you know, the Celtics, winning the title and you know that first kind of uh super team so to speak so i don't know i mean it's it's yeah it's interesting yeah i think i mean if athletes didn't sell product people wouldn't pay them money right like plain and simple like supply and demand they they absolutely do and for me being really focused on function like i automatically assume okay roger's the best so everything surrounding him makes him the best like he picks i'm sure he picks the best product to help with his game especially you know he's one of the older athletes you know most athletes are are pretty young Mm -hmm. um and i think back of when i was playing sports a lot like when i was a teenager it didn't matter the product to me did not matter i played how i played um it wasn't like an actual product made me better than another Mm -hmm. product i don't think um which i think applies to these guys on some level however the moment you put on a hyped up product mentally you play better mm-hmm. right so those athletes are hyping that product and without that hype of that product um they, they're making them you know superhuman the athletes these days are almost superhuman i think that's what you're actually that's what they are selling um and that's what i'm interested in that's what the consumer is buying now but there's something to be said. Roger's been with Nike yeah. for so long. Like, will will he ever not be Nike? I mean, it's not like he's been to a lot of brands, you know? Like, can he actually take the swoosh off and not be associated with Nike? I don't mm. I don't yeah. know, man. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, the I think, same I for think LeBron. The article said twenty one year or twenty one years he'd been with Nike. So I mean and for me, like, I won't ever think of him with anybody else, you know, anything beyond it, I'll, it would, it would take a massive amount of campaigning, a massive amount of marketing and mass amount of, um, you know, whatever content they create to kind of support that new deal to, for me to even associate him to any other brand, you know, that's a good point. Like they, anyone else that signs him has a, an uphill battle just to, just to first disassociate him with Nike let alone associate him with another brand that that's a that's an uphill battle in itself yeah i get that i get that 
That makes sense. Alright. Alright. Uh, before we go on, we got some hot stories to talk about you guys. But I just definitely wanted to give some love to our sponsors, the Lacers competition. And uh, we received a letter uh, this week uh, of um, some people at the Lacers competition. They were upset with the way that Tiffany and I uh, described the competition last week. Uh, they said in the letter that we apparently made it sound amateur and the Lacers Lacing Players Association was not happy with our choice of words. Um, they like what we do on this show. However, they do wish we would act a bit more professional when speaking about the Lacers competition. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I do want to make an apology to Bob. It was inappropriate for me to discuss Bob's position and Bob being disqualified. Apparently, uh, it was under, um, he was appealing the decision by the Lacers competition board. And I wasn't aware of that, so I spoke prematurely. And Bob was allowed to actually be in the competition this Sunday over at Tom's Barbecue Shack. So, Bob, my apologies. Uh, I hope I have not soiled your name in a terrible way. And just know that we here at Outside the Box, we love the Lacers competition and everything you guys do to help support this show hopefully the players association will get off of my back now hope you guys like that i spent a lot of time thinking way about to turn it around time. bob all right Good moving job, on bob. uh well there yeah. there there's one there's one detail though like what i think we forgot to mention was even though there was velcro involved with bob we forgot to mention that he had to actually make the velcro go through the standard lace hole which actually made it 10 times more complicated and, so he actually yes yes you know so so in a sense bob was doing more with less but you know that's not my place to judge <laughs> okay let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about a few other things there's a, a a really cool story here about running as i am a runner uh vivo barefoot is changing the game um they're taking out cushioning from your shoes i feel like there's been a lot of this happening here and there like it'll happen then it doesn't happen like some people do it and then they pull back off of it um, and again, I, I, I'm going to lean on you, on you, Tiffany. I feel like this is something that, uh, Tiffany, uh, Tinker's brother did this. That's how we kind of came with the Nike free because he went to Stanford. Was it Stanford where the guys were running without shoes on, on the track? Was that Stanford? I think it was in Germany. Was it in Germany? Somewhere. Okay. So I'm to totally wrong place. Uh, totally different place on the earth. Good. <laughs> no, make, make me feel worse about it. A university. Yeah. He went. He went to a university. Yeah, yeah. Now went to a university. It's, it's great. It's great. First, I mess up on Bob. Now you're telling me I'm wrong about Tinker's brother. It's cool. Um, so, so this movement. It seems. It seems kind of dangerous to take cushioning out of shoes. And I say that, but I also realize that people ran for years and did things for years without shoes on. So what's like? What's the good and the bad of this story? Yeah, I think it. I was surprised, actually, when I saw this article, I thought, oh, this is from a couple years ago, but it, it's not. Um, well, you look at the Chuck Taylor. How many people played basketball in the Chuck Taylor for how long? Like decades. Right. And, I mean, the question I would have is, did it shorten their career? Like, the repeated pounding of the foot in running and sports, like, if it, and this is all just my own personal opinion, if over time that has to wear on the body right so not having cushioning um at all although it's good for as we see in nike free it's good for flexibility and foot strength um but 
is it really that good for your joints? And, and people notice like back pain and stuff like that. Like a lot of times everything that's going, having issues in your body sometimes is related to what's going on in your feet and the shoes you're wearing and the cushioning. So I think this is a very kind of heated conversation. I know personally, I like react and boost. I like cushioning under my feet. Um, but if there's a sport or something I'm doing where I need to feel the ground and have more perception of exactly what my feet are feeling, then I, I would think that this would be, would be great. But as a shoe to wear 24 seven all day long, um, no, for me, absolutely not. Uh, I, need I think to you made an interesting point about, um, athletes, right? Like it, I would even argue that like athletes just in general, like, I mean, technology, you know, on the medical side to heal athletes has, has, you know, grown tremendously over the past, however long. But I think that probably like going back to the Roger Federer conversation, I think that probably the products that these athletes are using and the amount of um, the amount of technology that's put into these products allow them to play whatever sport it is that much longer than they used to. So um, I, I, I don't I, I don't see any company um, taking this kind of barefoot. Don't be wrong. Like I think that it's interesting and and. I think that there are some people out there that want to feel that like more natural, but I don't ever see this becoming something that is at like the, the highest of levels, right? Like for the most part, you're always going to see someone in, you know, the pinnacle running shoe and it's not going to be, it's not to call it a sales gimmick, but like it feels very gimmicky considering how many brands have already gone through this, you know, okay, we have, you know, 12 variations of whatever free or, you know, the, the natural running shoe for that particular brand. So I don't know. It seems kind of like, I just don't see a whole lot of opportunity for that to have a huge market considering a lot of people already have a comfort level with the, the brands and the cushioning that they like. Um, it would take a lot to get somebody to totally jump ship and say, Oh, I'm going this different direction. No, I understand. I, th- I think I, I, I kind of feel like the, the barefoot, low cushioning thing, it, it's definitely more of a spurts thing than it is a, like, like Tiffany said, a 24-7 thing. It's something like, oh, okay, for this workout, yeah. I'm going to do that, um, but not something that I'm going to do do consistently. Uh, got that. I got that. Uh, and another quick note, uh, looks like Kanye West has a new website called We Got Love. Uh, for those that have been around the sneaker world and around the fashion world for a while, uh, you will remember Kanye University. Uh, this is back in uh, 2007, Nick, around 2007, 2008. Yeah, something era. like that. It might have even been a little bit before that when it started. But, um, it, it, I mean, the, the new site is interesting because it only has three videos on it as of right now. Um, and they don't really, it's hard to kind of, tie them together even but um you know going back to the old site the reason why i think this new one is even interesting aside from if you're a kanye fan or not like when he's regardless of how you feel about him he has a very powerful presence in the fashion and sneaker world specifically and back in that you know 2006 2008 era um kanye's site was like the hype beast of that era i mean i hype beast was around but it was it was very like 
it was just the like one of it became like the staple of the sites that you were checking if you were into sneakers and you were into streetwear and and fashion and you know it was like i think yeah. like for me it was like honey Yee, which was the japanese site that a lot of people like blogged on jeff staple i think um you know maybe cause some of those kind of artists and, and brand um owners or founders and then yeah. Kanye's site and then Hypebeast, like they really owned that whole conversation. But because Kanye is so, was so big and was, you know, it, it was just out there so much, even at that time, this is obviously pre-Kardashian fame and, and him being like, you know, probably most recognized person in the world at this point. Um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting. So it'll be, I'm interested to see what happens from it if he starts creating content for it. And if there's a space for it, because obviously the blog world has even, you know, kind of diminished over the past five to six years and, and people have moved to more specifically to platforms like Instagram or uh, Facebook or, or Twitter to kind of tell their stories and, and put their messages out there. So definitely true. Uh, so if you want to check that out, that's we got love got dot com. And uh, one last story, uh, going back to the whole sustainability thing, it looks like Nike actually made the Super Eagle World Cup kits out of plastic bottles and this is something i feel like nike has been doing a long time with their with their uniforms and their kits using plastic bottles as a as a way to kind of add recyclable materials into the design but it's not just adding them into the design there's actually some some benefits or they're they're incorporating that material into their current design goals of making the either making the kits lighter or more breathable or or look better or fit better uh, which I think is is the way to go, not just being able to say, hey, we made World Cup kids out of plastic bottles. Um, too bad the USA won't have a kid because they're not in the World Cup, but that's yeah. another, that's an entirely, that's an entirely different show. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, we, that seems like a practice yeah, kit. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. USA gets a practice <laughs> kit. Uh, as always, want to thank you guys for listening to the show. And I uh, have a note here from Greg, who is the head of the Lacers Competitive Shoe Lacing Racing League. Uh, please get our name right. It is the Lacers Competitive Shoe Lacing Racing League. Uh, we are professionals and we appreciate being spoken to and of like professionals. My bad, Greg. Uh, and Greg, fall back on the attitude just a little bit. All right, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. You can find me all over the internet at Cousteau, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. But this podcast really wouldn't be what it is without the other two individuals here on the show. Uh, they give the insight, they give the deep thought, they give the strategy, and I am the one that just makes things up out of nowhere. Uh, so let's start with Nick. Nick, tell them who you are. Where uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L. -L. You can find me on all platforms under that name. I also have a site called Sneaker History. You can find uh, at Sneaker History on all the platforms as well. But most importantly here, we'll save the best for last. Tiffany, tell them where they can find you. Uh, Tiffany Beers, uh, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-B-E-E-R-S. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube. Please subscribe on my YouTube channel, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shameless. Yeah, no, no. S subscribe to Tiffany. If you're listening right now, um, go subscribe to Tiffany's channel. Uh, there's a link down in the description or 
if you're listening on your headphones, go to YouTube and just type in Tiffany Beers and uh, her channel will come. Make sure, make sure you guys subscribe to her channel. As always, we appreciate you. Make sure you leave us comments about things you want us to talk to. Uh, maybe you'll make it into the next show if you, you know, tweet us something on Twitter or you gram us something on Instagram. Is that a comment <laughs> to us? I don't know. Okay. I'm not hip. I'm not cool. I'm not hip at all. And I'm just proving that wholeheartedly here today. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you and talk to you soon. Peace.